0: All right. I am excited this morning to welcome Drew up to the stage, who is who is going to be preaching and has an awesome message. We've been in this devoted series and prayer. and last week we made uh, the announcement as well and spoke that Drew has. I, don't, I, don't know I, didn't count, I didn't count. No, how much longer? It, it, it,
1: oh, uh, five? Weeks.
0: Yeah, that Drew will, is transitioning out of the life of our church and that God has called her to the next thing, and so five weeks. So mm-hmm. um, short time. Short, short time yeah. Hey, and we, all of us, I, I know people have spoken to me and, and connecting with Drew, and I'm encouraging everyone continue to go out to coffee with Drew and hang out, but mm-hmm. the gift that God has put in you, So many gifts, and one of them, I mean, her faith, but then also her teaching. And so this morning, we're excited. Can I, let me, in fact, can us, can we pray over Drew right now before she um, opens the scriptures? Uh, Father, we gather this morning to lift you up in worship and communion, offering, And and then we desire to hear from you. So, Father, may we do our part, and we open our ears and our minds. Lord, thank you that drew her deep hunger for you, and her desire, and really her ability to hear from you. Lord, may you work through her, in her, in spite of her. Thank you for her gifts, and the work she's put in, and uh, the word that she's bringing us this morning. We open ourselves to you, Lord. Speak. Amen.
1: Amen. Amen. Well, good morning. Again, I think you've heard that a few times, but I'm going to say it too. Good morning. Uh, If we haven't met, like Matt just said, my name's Drew. But I have met many of you in the room, and I do know a whole lot of you. And although I do know you, what you may not know about me is that I am a classically trained vocalist. So this means I spent four years in music school learning everything there is to know about music itself. The history of it, the theory of it, the practice of it. But what may be most surprising about all of that for you is that despite the contemporary style that I sing in here on Sunday mornings, I spent four years singing almost exclusively in the classical style. Or maybe a better word would be like, opera. (laughs) That's how I sang for a really long time. I took classes in diction and language so that I could sing in Spanish, French, German, and Italian. So did Ben too, by the way. (laughs) And I sounded a lot different from what you're used to hearing come from me. Those four years were full to the brim with learning for me. But interestingly enough, After all those years in school, all the fancy rules, all the fancy languages, after tearing my voice down, what I thought was good about it, then rebuilding it back into what was actually good about it, and the most healthy and correct version of itself, everything came down to one building block. Everything. It's what I taught my students when I was in the schools and in studios. It's what I teach the vocalists here. It all comes down to the breath. Our breathing is the cornerstone of our voice. It's the cornerstone of a lot more than that, but it is the cornerstone of our voice. And if we don't know how to breathe well, how to use our air properly to support our voice, it will never reach its full potential. Never. Breathing is something we humans totally take for granted. It it happens without us even thinking about it. And in America, in particular, we are super lazy breathers. Oh, it's horrible. My voice coaches love to talk about this, how lazy we breathe and how lazy we talk. We avoid proper posture, like at all costs. We only take in just what we need. And many of our own dialects have developed because we want to cut as many corners as possible. And I'm from the South, Mm y'all. That truth rings deep in my bones. But without breathing, we'd be in a heap of trouble, wouldn't we? And we know that, we know that rationally, we know that biologically, but I think it runs even deeper than that. Our breath is the very thing that came from the being of God himself. He formed us out of the dirt, right? But what is it that animated us, that gave us life and soul? Genesis 2 says God breathed into man's nostrils and he became a living creature. We take breathing for granted because it's so automatic. But maybe we shouldn't. Maybe it would be good for us to find a way to come back to our bodies, to come back to our breath, to come back to the very wind of God within us. And truthfully, we know this. The world knows this. We're just not paying close enough attention to see it for what it really is. Stress and anxiety have been on a steady climb in the U.S. for decades, and that is not news to you. You know that. I'm sure sometime in the last three years in particular, you've heard about it in the news or you've read about it, but even more, I'm willing to bet, you've felt it. According to a Pew Research study conducted last year, four in ten U.S. adults have experienced severe psychological distress at least once since the pandemic began. And 60% of all respondents, all respondents, friends, reported a consistent rise of psychological distress in their day-to-day lives. People from all backgrounds, faith traditions, and social classes are searching for an answer to this very public and very large problem. We're witnessing a revival of Eastern spirituality, even, in the modern West, especially in urban areas among the millennial, hello, generations, and Gen Z, hello, generations, practices like Buddhist mindfulness, gratitude journals. Meditation and yoga, they're all front and center in the society of the self. Self-care has become its own industry. And just a quick Google search of these practices and many like them will show you a common thread woven throughout each. The answer, they say, to your stress and anxiety, slow down, be still, breathe. And what's crazy about that is they're onto something but they're missing the most crucial part. So today we're gonna talk about that. How do we come back to our breath and not miss the most crucial part? Like Matt said, we're continuing in our devoted series. Paul kicked us off with prayer last week, gave us an awesome method to help us, a good, really good foundational method to help us enter prayer. It was the acronym, you remember, P R A Y. And so I encourage you, go back, listen to that. It's a really good place to start. And he told us that prayer is conversation with God, right? And I think something really important, especially for today, that he said in his sermon is that doesn't always mean talking. Prayer is how we connect to God. And it can look a whole lot of different ways. And today, we're going to talk about one of those ways. We're going to talk about breath prayer. Connecting to the very wind of God within us, coming back to ourselves and back to God. So, what is breath prayer? Breath prayer is a type of contemplative prayer that has been practiced in the church for millennia. St. John of the Cross, a 16th century Spanish priest who was called the great cartographer of the spiritual life. Can we just, gosh, what a life you have to live to get a nickname like that. When I first came across that, I was like, oh Lord, I just want to be anything. Like, uh, I don't know, the somewhat okay person who prayed sometimes. Like, I feel like I would be really happy if I could land there. But our friend, St. John of the Cross, great cartographer of the spiritual life, said, Our greatest need is to be silent before this great God. For the only language he hears is the silent language of love. And that, I believe, is the best definition I've ever heard of contemplative prayer. It is being intentionally still before God in love, It is to awaken ourselves to his presence in all things, or as Jesus says in John 15, it's to abide. It's to abide in the spirit of Jesus as he abides in the Father. And breath prayer is one way we can contemplate the truth and beauty of who God is by getting in touch with the most common rhythm of our lives. The rhythm given to us by God himself our breath. Breath prayer can be completely silent or it can be marked by simple phrases that move in and out with the breath. And this this frees us from getting stuck in our heads about trying to say the right thing. It allows us to focus internally, to pray with our heart, to pray with the deepest part of ourselves. The purpose and desire of breath prayer is to pray simply but to pray intimately. I say that again. The purpose and desire of breath prayer is to pray simply, but to pray intimately. We aren't just looking to calm our anxiety or fear and become more mindful, but that might happen. And we aren't necessarily looking for this sky-splitting moment and divine revelation from God that will change the course of our lives forever. I don't know, that might happen too. What we are aiming for is to simply be present to God and abide in him. That's enough. He is so close. Paul said this last week. He is so close, closer even than our breath. But why contemplative prayer and why breath prayer specifically? You know, I think many of us struggle with scripture because we want a really easy how-to book, yeah? A list of rules that are easy and clear. Do this, this, and this, and then boom, a, a straight pathway to eternity in heaven, right? And honestly, many of us who've grown up in the church are probably really familiar with that being taught and modeled to us. But the problem with that is that it's a really shallow understanding of Jesus, In John chapter 14, Jesus tells the disciples, as he does many times, that he must go away. And that when he does, he's going to prepare a place for them. A place for all of us, by the way. And in verse 4, he says, you know the way to where I'm going. And Thomas, one of the disciples, is super confused, as I'm sure we would have been if we'd been in the room. And he says, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? Lord, I don't even know the destination. How could I possibly get there? You know, friends, I just went on a 12-day trip, car trip, with that good-looking fella right there to celebrate our 10th anniversary. It was awesome. We saw some parks in the West. And uh, we are both, Ben and I, for those of you who know this, this is not a shock, we're both really big planners, firstborn, super type A. Please say a prayer for our children. Um, It's true, bless them, but uh, I've got to tell you, because of that, if I did not have like a general idea of where we were going and when, I would have lost my mind. There's 12 days, you guys, 12 days. I would have not been able to even enjoy like the smaller spontaneous moments, because I have to have something that anchors me, that roots me, and then I can be spontaneous in small places. Yes? It's great. So I super relate to Thomas here. How do I get there? I don't know where you're going. How do we get there? And that is the question. I think if we're honest with ourselves, that's the question we ask over and over again to the Lord in various situations. How do I get there? How do I do that? And Jesus says one of his most famous lines in response. I I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you know me, you will also know my Father. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. The Father is the destination. And the only hope of getting to him is Jesus. Jesus. He is the way, the person of Jesus, how he lived his life, his work on this earth. That is the pathway for the believer into eternity with the Father. So, if all we do is read our Bibles and look for a list of do's and don't do's, then we've gone off the map altogether. It is the life of Jesus in its entirety that we must follow, which is important for us today because one thing Jesus was frequently doing was doing hardly anything at all. I mean, at least that's what it looks like, right? Luke five, sixteen says Jesus often withdrew to deserted places and prayed. In Mark one, we see him rising early in the morning and going to a lonely place to pray. In Mark six, after he multiplied the fish and the loaves, he left the people to go up the mountain to pray. In Luke 6, before choosing the apostles, he went into the hills alone to pray. In Luke 9, he is alone praying before he asks the disciples, who do you say that I am? In Luke 11, he is the one that is out praying before they come in and say, well, you teach us how to pray. Hmm, I wonder why they would have thought that's so important. And in Matthew 6, Jesus teaches us, Paul said this one last week too, to go into a private room to shut the door and pray to our Father who is unseen. And the night before his crucifixion, he is in the garden, off alone in a corner, praying. Jesus lived a life of deep prayer. Jesus lived a life of deep connection to the Father. And he did that by prioritizing time alone with him in quiet, lonely places. And if we desire to walk the pathway of Jesus, this appears to be a must, friends. And this is a truth that we as the church have only recently forgotten. Contemplative prayer, silence, and solitude, these are practices that the church has engaged in from the beginning. I mentioned our super cool nickname guy, St. John of the Cross, earlier, but even more recent Christian spiritual thinkers have had strong convictions around this. Henry Nouwen, who was a priest, writer, theologian, and deep spiritual thinker, said, Without solitude, it is virtually impossible... To live a spiritual life, we do not take the spiritual life seriously if we do not set aside some time to be with God and listen to Him. To be with God and listen to Him. It's contemplative prayer, friends. So, If contemplative prayer, the practice of being alone, being still before God is necessary, then breath prayer is just one method in a very long list of very good ones that we can choose from. So we are going to talk about how to do this. As my own study of this topic has taught me, there are many great approaches to breath prayer itself. So if what we're going to talk about today doesn't really work for you or doesn't fit what you would would relate most to you and how you relate to God, then I encourage you to go read up, find some stuff. It's very easy to find a lot of things around this. There are lots of spiritual formation groups out there that have great information. But I'm going to talk you through the three phases that work for me. And interestingly enough, They map onto the three words that I mentioned earlier slow down, be still, and breathe. Only you and I, we're not gonna miss the most crucial part, right? I saw it, that was a little, (laughs) got a little bit of response there. Okay, first, slow down. We need to be intentional with the time and space we carve out for this practice. It's wise to plan a specific amount of time dedicated only to this specific amount of time where you are going to slow your body down and stop everything that you're doing. I suggest setting a timer to whatever that time might be so that you don't have to constantly look at the clock so that you can be really present in the moment. And just start with a minute or two. Really, like just a minute or two. Don't feel pressured to have like monk-like abilities right out of the gate, right? That's crazy. Start where you are. James Clear, who wrote the famous book, Atomic Habits, heard of that one? He says a habit has to be established before it can be improved. Let's just get things established, friends, okay? And then once it is, after a couple of weeks, you can add another minute or two. And then a couple weeks later, you can add another minute or two until eventually you get to a place where for 15 minutes, that's where I'm at currently, I'm working, I really want to get to 20 by the end of summer, for 15 minutes, it is just you and Jesus, and it is so worth it. It is so worth it. So if you have the ability to leave home, you can choose a spot where not many people will be. This may be a less common occurrence for you, like it is for me, but one of my favorite ways to practice breath prayer is when I'm out on a solo hike, typically, like, near the summit or somewhere with a really good, like, view. I don't know if you've ever done Sleepy Lion Trail. In Lions, Colorado, there's this little place where it's not, you're not at the top yet, but there's, like, some rocks, and you can just sit and look at the dam, like, a place like that where you can be still, and you can be quiet, and you can just be with the Lord. If you're at home, choose a time of day that is relatively quiet. If you have littles, you know, just go as quiet as quiet gets for you. That's all right. I get it. If I'm at home, breath prayer typically happens in the evening once my kids have gone to bed and all the tasks of the day are settled or can be taken care of tomorrow. Just a calm part of your day or a day that could be calm. So slow down. Next, be still. I then begin to still my body. I let it settle, and then I still my mind. I focus on slowing my breath down. I might do circular or box breathing, which we're gonna talk more about in just a minute, so I can begin to slow my thoughts and slow my heart rate. Some days, this portion is super quick. Other days, if I've got like, I don't know, conflicting emotions, or it's been a tough day, or it's been like a really exciting day, this portion can take almost all the time I've got just to get still. And that's okay. So we slow down, be still, and then finally we arrive at the breath. My mind is quiet, though not silent, by the way. Quiet and silent are different things. My heart has slowed, and for me, I typically settle into a seated position. And I can focus on God's presence. This is the most crucial part. So I pray. As I mentioned earlier, breath prayer can be silent. You can just stay there, You can focus on your breathing, become aware of the presence of God around you, or you can speak a simple prayer. If you're new to contemplative prayer or breath prayer specifically, I might suggest doing one of these little one-line prayers we're going to talk about just in a second. It just helps you focus your mind uh, so that way you don't wander around. But I do want to say that's not necessarily a bad thing. Pastor Rich Viotis says of contemplative prayer, if your mind gets distracted 1,000 times in 10 minutes of prayer, it's 1,000 opportunities to come back to the loving presence of Jesus. There is so much grace and freedom here, friends. But (laughs) some helpful and traditional phrases to say are, here I am, Lord, or come Holy Spirit, Or, Lord, have mercy. One I have been praying recently is two lines, and I'll show you how to do this here in a second. So it kind of sandwiches the exhale. You are with me, and you have gone before me. So, I'm going to do an example. I'm just going to do one of the one-liners to start with. you would breathe in deeply, and at the beginning of your exhale, you would say the prayer, and then release the rest of the breath. So it would look like this. Here I am, Lord. Here I am, Lord. And you can do that a few times and then focus on your breath, or you could say it over and over again, as long as it takes for that truth to really settle into your heart. Sometimes I'll say it five to ten times, and then I'll switch to saying it internally. You could say it. Take a break, then say it a few times. I mean, seriously, grace, freedom, however the Spirit is moving and leading you. And then at the end of your time, maybe as your timer goes off, you can focus on one last deep breath, maybe two or three last deep breaths. If you need a definite closing, sometimes I'll say thank you or amen, or sometimes even just that final smiling gratitude into that final breath is enough can allow yourself a moment to open your eyes if you've closed them or become aware of the space around you and just ease back into your day knowing that you just had that time with Jesus so we're going to do a very shortened version of this together and as a helpful tool I'm going to ask Ben to come up here and play a quiet melody for us thank you darling Often when helping others start a prayer practice, definitely contemplative prayer, but even group speaking prayer, I will suggest having very soft music playing quietly in the background. Having soft music can help us ease into the waters of contemplative prayer. It helps us focus on the method that we've chosen and not the painful awkwardness of being silent when we're just never ever used to being silent. (laughs) But, I will say that it's important to not let that become a crutch. We do want to allow ourselves to really be alone with God. But it is okay to begin gently. To be kind to ourselves as we're learning. So we're going to follow my three steps and then we're going to close our time, this part of our time together we're going to worship. So slow down, time and location. Well done. You did it, you carved out your time and your location. Step one, check, you did it today. But I want to make sure that you have the freedom to move around a little bit. So, because we do want to carve out our space and time. Like if I'm at home, I might be at home, but my location specifically is the wicker chair in the corner because there's a blanket and there are any fans nearby to make me feel really cold and I can cozy up. And it gets really dark right there, but there's a little bit of light in front of me because there's a window on the other side. That's how specific we're talking. So today, if you want to get up, there's couches in the backs. You can move around the room. You can sit on the floor. You can stand. You can shift in the seat that you're already in. You can space out. We're going to slow down, and that includes our location. So go ahead. Just take a few seconds. Move around. Get cozy if you want. To still ourselves, we're going to practice some box breathing. And while we do, I'm going to teach you how to do it in just a second. While we do, just become aware of your body, any pain or tension, any heaviness, sadness, or joy you might be feeling. And then once you become aware of that and those things are acknowledged, they can then go to the background and you can focus on the presence of God. We're going to box breathe, which is very simple. If you just imagine a box, a square, we're going to inhale for four. We'll then hold the breath for four. Exhale for four. Hold for four. In, hold, out, hold. We're just going to do a few rounds of that. So if you are one of my voice students, I would say take a really big inhale and fill up your lungs. Then let them all out. Breathe in two, three, four, hold two, three, four, hold out <laughs> two, three, four, hold two, three, four, in two, three, four, hold two, three, four, out two, three, four, hold two, three, one more, in, two, three, four, hold, two, three, four, out, two, three, four, hold, two, three, four. Continue to allow yourself to breathe that deeply. So we've slowed down, stilled ourselves. Now, we pray into the breath. If you want to close your eyes, if you haven't yet, feel free to. And we're going to do the two-line prayer that I said earlier. So I'm going to show you how, and then we'll do a few. And then after we've done a couple, I'll say like last one or something like that, we'll do one more together. And then we're just going to focus on two or three deep breaths. And I'll close this with an amen. Here's how you do it with two lines. You would breathe in. You are with me. You've gone before me. You are with me. You have gone before me. All right, so let's do a practice breath before we speak. Fill your lungs all the way up. Let it all the way out. Now we pray. Breathe in. You are with me out. You have gone before me. Feel free to pray out loud if you want. Breathe in. You are with me. You have gone before me. You are with me. You have gone before me. You are with me. You have gone before me. One more. You are with me. You have gone before me. So before we wrap up, I just want to offer a couple of thoughts. First, I know there might be objections rising up within you. You have a full-time job, kids, grandkids. You have this obligation or that obligation, and your life just doesn't have margin or flexibility for these types of practices. And to that, we often hear how God has grace. He has grace in those seasons, and he does. That is true. I've said it multiple times in the last five minutes. Different seasons of life, they'll, they'll bring different demands on your time. And this is something truly that only you and the Holy Spirit can figure out. But, might I just say that we, we make time for our priorities. And I could ask you the same questions that people like me, you, behind a pulpit will stand and ask how much time do you spend scrolling in your phone? How much time do you spend on Netflix? I'm not here to judge you and how you spend your time. Friends, I've had my own seasons of discontent when I'd rather just be numb than engage my heart and my mind. I get it. But I will say that following Jesus it does require sacrifice. And if there doesn't seem to be much of a cost to this way of life for us if our days are organized in a way that best suits us maybe jesus isn't the one we're following after all i've plenty of family community and work commitments and even when i try really hard to convince myself otherwise i always have a little bit of time but also As you pursue a life of prayer, this is new to you. Please do not let that thief of life called comparison come in and make you feel small. Your Savior defeated sin so that there would no longer be condemnation for anyone who believes. The Spirit may convict you, but conviction leads to life and abundance. Condemnation leads to shame and death. So if you feel even an ounce of shame creeping in, you tell it to go back to where it belongs because you belong to Jesus, my friend. And there's no room for that here. Amen? Amen. So if you're building something, if prayer in general or contemplative prayer, breath prayer are new, and you're just here striking out in obedience, there's space to be honest. You can be honest with the Lord about your time and your energy and small beginnings are okay. Small beginnings. Restarts are okay. So I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to worship with the worship team. Father, small beginnings are okay whether we've known you five minutes or we've known you five years or we've known you 50 years, wherever we find ourselves in our prayer life, my prayer today is that there would be no shame or guilt, but that there would be a fire lit within us to connect with you more. Lead us, Holy Spirit. You are the teacher. Teach us how to pray in new ways. In old ways, show us, Lord, that what you want is a sincere heart, not perfection. You just want us honestly before you, and you are desperate to connect with us. We love you, Lord. We are so grateful for your kindness, your grace, and your mercy, because it is your kindness that leads us to repentance, not condemnation. So we offer ourselves, our lives, our schedules over to you. Show us how, Lord. Show us how. In Jesus' name, amen.